I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Run like a wild I watched the struggle and I watched you wrestle with them angels. From Auburn University, Bo Jackson. The correct journey here. Stadium time is 8.42 Central Daylight Time. Your digital audio device is tuned into the Orange and True podcast. Harbored by the good folks at collegeandmagnolia.com. Greetings and salutations, Orange and Truthers. It's me, Drew Crow, and that's Center Crow 2 on Twitter. You can find me at Center Crow on Venmo. To one side of me, as always, via the magic of the internet, is Ryan Starrett, at Ryan S. Starrett. The S stands for Second Shot. All microchipped up and ready to go. That's what I'm talking about. Bill Gates sponsoring this podcast, baby. <laughs> to the other side of me, giving you the full Fort Payne ASMR through the ether, is the AU Chief. Howdy. And joining us from the Auburn Observer podcast, human shot of espresso, painter Sharpless. Painter, do you read me? Thank you for the kind introduction. Painter, I know that normally you're on a very professional podcast with a very professional co-host, Justin Ferguson. And tonight you're on this with us. Slumming. (laughs) Slumming. (laughs) (laughs) I... I want to know how often Justin starts the show with, but first in Auburn soccer, because that's what we're about to do. Uh, you know, Ferg, Ferg's back hurts from carrying the load, so I just sort of allow him to, to go where he wants to go. But you're right. This is probably a different direction than what the Observer's doing. That's okay. You guys have a niche. Our niche is... It's one uh, way to put it. Dads who are mowing the lawn who need something Auburn to listen to while they do so. I think that's kind of... But- Who's listening to this? But maybe also Nani's references. <laughs> and yeah, dad. That I don't care. Basically, I'm me. I'm talking about me. I'm the one who's listening to this podcast. I know um, I know exactly two people that listen to our podcast. One of them lives up the road, and the other one lives in Utah. Hey, <laughs> that is nationwide. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. State lines. That's my point. How <laughs> do I get you thrown in jail? Now we're talking. <laughs> that's right. We're coping. Pushing that good stuff across state lines. Now look, <laughs> Auburn ladies, women's soccer has been on an absolute tear. March the 6th, guys, March the 6th, the day after my brother's birthday, way back then, was the last time Auburn lost a game. Match. A match run. Well, they lost a match. They lost 1-0 to the Clemson Tigers, number 9 Clemson, in Clemson. Since then, they beat Georgia, they beat Louisville, they beat Alabama, and then April 3rd, they beat South Alabama, which I think makes them state champs, because I don't know yeah. how other, how many other schools in the state have a team, but... UAB probably does. But they've beaten two Troy of Trojans. Troy probably does, too. Yeah, that's the thing, so Troy and UAB, maybe? Does does UAH? I don't know. Huntsville's a soccer town. So. I don't know. Is it? So, 
I'm declaring Auburn state champs after beating South Alabama. So print the banner, Karen. Get it up. Get that banner mm-hmm. hung. It's 2021 state champions. Put it Auburn in Dyers. fine print. The Auburn and True podcast, like dash <laughs> yeah. the Auburn and True podcast. Orange and True podcast declares state champs. State champs. Uh, Auburn plays Virginia Tech in the lovely village of Greenwood, South Carolina. No idea why. I don't I don't know why they're playing in Greenwood, South Carolina. That's not where Virginia Tech is located, as you know. Um, but a kind neutral site game. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I actually don't know where Greenwood, South Carolina is to be hundred percent sure. And I've driven up eighty five a long way. And could I want to say you go through there on the way to Clemson, but I could be. Uh, uh, is that possible? Or we think of Greenville. I, no, no Greenwood Green is what I'm thinking now. Greenwood is no, right, right. I just I wasn't yeah. sure if we were. Yeah, it seems to be as to greens. It seems to be really far uh, west, North? west northwest South Carolina. Um, oh. It is. Yeah, it's about halfway as, between Clemson is, and Columbia in the sticks. It's known as is, the Emerald City. LOL. Huh. Is, is it somehow? Is it maybe uh, some sort of little tournament action kind of thing going on, or other games there that day? Maybe it's hometown to a school that I learned about today called Lander University. Hmm. It is a population is that, of twenty three thousand people. Is that a for profit? Lander? Mm-hmm. No, it's a state school. Oh, oh, weird. It is home of the South Carolina Festival of Flowers. Maybe it's a festival of flowers <laughs> uh, coincides <laughs> with this, and the Festival of Discovery. That's you can't get anywhere else. That's, yeah. That sounds interesting. No idea, man. We're talking. We are. I am. Self, self-discovery or? Yeah. <laughs> it is the hometown of Armonte Edwards, former starting quarterback of App State. So that's where they we're have at. have that on the sign. It should be. And also, Hootie Johnson, Ryan, is from this town. Former chairman of Augusta National. This is. Oh, I, thought, I thought that was like a nickname for. Record. You don't know who Hootie Johnson is? Josh Dub is Josh Dub is so mad at you right now that I knew who that was, <laughs> and you did not. I am the golf correspondent for this podcast now, um, and a televangelist named Leroy Jenkins. No relation to <laughs> the internet's own Leroy Jenkins, I'm sure. All right, so that's I don't know. He was a paladin. That's been so. Wikipedia Corner. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's Auburn's last match of the season and they move on to the NCAA tournament which I'm sure they're qualified for considering they have not lost a match since early March okay Painter how did you and Justin start the Auburn Observer well I think that uh, some people listening may know that we used to do a radio show together and from there you know during COVID things kind of got shaken up and so Ferg had an idea um, that he was going to try to kind of do his own uh, website, you know, through Substack. And so something that we've tried to offer people is, is four or five stories a week. And then, uh, you know, we do, we do the two podcasts, one free, one uh, premium podcast a week. And like I said, you know, we kind of joke about this. Ferg doesn't really allow me to do it. He always tries to sort of, knock this down but ferg is the one driving all of this like ferg is the one that puts in an insane amount of time writing he's at the press conferences he's building relationships with players and coaches and people behind the scenes i feel fortunate just to be a part of it i get to be a fan and be on the podcast so 
this is definitely Ferg's baby. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you guys letting me come on and entertaining me just a little bit, letting me, uh, hang out with you guys. But yeah, the, the observer, uh, has been a lot of fun and, and, you know, appreciate the support we've gotten. We almost advertise the observer on this podcast more than we pump up our own show. So just knowing, <laughs> just let you know, that's, you know, get to say almost there. Crow. Yeah, I, yeah. I think almost is doing a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. We pretty much do. I will, I will say, I will say that it is, uh, this podcast has a contentious at, worst and strained at best relationship with many of the beat writers hmm. on staff. Well, I'd love Auburn. to dig into that. Yeah. No, we've never <laughs> had any sort of tirades on this podcast. Chief has never referred to someone by name and said, he is a liar. <laughs> so, uh, but it's nice because the observer seems to f- basically scratch the itch that all of us have. Yeah. And that's, Auburn content that's not sensationalism or made up. Just but it's also fun. Yeah. It's not just you know, yeah. just data or and covering or basketball. Guys, yeah. The main thing that you guys yeah, do, both you and Ferg do, is you cover basketball like people who have watched a basketball game before <laughs> 2016. Sure, sure. Yeah, and again, like, you know, I mean, this this is credit to Ferg for the amount of effort he puts into it. And, like, I will say this, Ferg is a nerd, and so, like, that's part of the, what makes him so good at, at digging all this up. But I appreciate you guys uh, throwing us some love. Yeah, we, we hope that that is what people take away from it, is that it is intended to be fun, because sports can be frustrating. Being an Auburn fan, God knows it can be frustrating. But I think one of the things that Ferg has really imparted on me doing the show is as a fan, like embrace what Auburn is, which is often a chaos agent. And that's something that I've had to learn, you know, like I think you guys have probably heard me over the last few weeks complaining about all of Alabama's success. They have undoubtedly lived in my head because I felt like finally Bruce Pearl was on the planes and we had this thing, basketball, where we might be able to pull ahead of that school. And you know what? I think Nate Oates and company are doing a great job. I think they're here to stay, but we appreciate the love, man. It's, uh, it's been a fun ride thus far. What's the biggest difference between doing what you're doing right now and hosting what I thought was the best podcast, a best radio show in Auburn. And not just because you guys had me on. on <laughs> which was a good time. You sang for us more than once. You had me on, which is kind of ridiculous. The show didn't get canceled after the first time. <laughs> We often joke that our boss probably wasn't listening because we're not sure how long <laughs> he would have let us stay on the air. But I think the biggest difference is we're on twice a week for about an hour each yeah. time. Right? Like the podcast is usually about an hour, whereas obviously with radio, it was a two-hour radio show five times a week. So roughly two hours of content a week versus 10 hours, we can be a little bit more selective about what we talk about. That part honestly has made life easier. Yeah. I appreciate that you guys – put on a show that I can listen to with my kids in the car, which is increasingly hard with every podcast I listen to now. Like somebody will just drop an F bomb out of nowhere and you guys, uh, you guys keep it pretty PG and, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, that part's nice for me in particular. And, and like the radio show, you had to be in a specific place at a specific time next to your radio or listening on your phone, but where the podcast, I can, you know, cue you guys up at 11 in the morning if I need, if I want sure. to. Sure. Well, I will say the thing about the radio show that was advantageous now, and I think you guys have probably dealt with this 
it's a, the summer gets really tough, right? And mm. so it did train us in some ways to get used to trying to find some nuggets yeah. when there actually isn't sports news. And I think that's part of what you're referencing when you talk about trying to make the show fun. We at least do our best. We attempt to try to talk about some things that are sports adjacent, if you yeah. will. I like to think of you guys as a much better version of this show. <laughs> I think you're giving us too much credit. But I do appreciate it, my friend. No, I think – all right. So one of the differences that I can tell is that you don't take callers because it's recording. Would you say that's uh, net positive for your current show or a net negative? <laughs> so I think there was – at one point, Ferg was – you know, we were trying to decide how – viable was it to take calls because we did it for a while on our radio show but bill cameron and dan peck who are with espn 1067 still bill has been the king of auburn sports radio for decades now mm-hmm. does such a good job doing that and it took me a long time to come around to it like ferg was i think smart and it took me a while to kind of wisen up to the idea that ferg was like we're not going to be able to replicate what bill and dan do and so eventually at some point along the way during that show's couple of years on air, we did stop taking calls. And obviously that's the case with the podcast. Now there's no call in. And I think Ferg was right. Like we were never going to be able to replicate Bill and Dan's success. And so while there's definitely uh, an avenue and a lane for call-in shows, I mean, like you think about how popular Feinbaum is, mm-hmm. you know, like obvious, it's probably one of the most popular sports radio shows in America, right? So that's not to diss on the call-in show. It's just that we found that it worked better for us to not do that. Right. Did Shadow a real person? We went back and forth. Every now and again, we had a conversation about if he was truly an Auburn fan or not. But you know what? I know a few people who have actually met Shadow in the flesh. So, yes, he is a real person. It is not a bit. I Man. I have been in Auburn uh, since 2002 and listening to Auburn radio of some sort since then. <laughs> and Shadow has been calling in that entire time doing the exact same thing for 18 years. So, and to at your least. point, like that, if it were a bit, it would be more impressive. Yes. Sure, because he has yes. simply continued it for decades. I mean, yes. it is amazing. Now, I don't agree with the majority of his takes, and it took me a while to come around to the idea of like, hey, man. Remember, this is supposed to be fun. Don't take it seriously. And he's good for radio. It also took me a while to figure out that, hey, like just because he's saying crazy stuff, it's okay. Like on a certain level, people would get riled up. Now, I think sometimes it can hijack the show. And so that's where it can be. You have to sort of toe that line. But again, like that's where Bill and Dan do such a great job of, of kind of finding that finesse and. Uh, yeah, so the, the call-in thing, we sort of graduated to not doing it, and I think Ferg ultimately made the right decision on that. Yeah, I I cannot fathom the beatdown of trying to take calls. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think you lasted longer I mean, than I would have. He's even gotten – I've heard him get to Bill before. Like, Bill's just had enough of it and just, like – done with him so like yeah i mean because it's like you're trying to use logic with the guy who a either doesn't care or b is not really willing to use it himself right right there is like the i mean this look skip bailiff makes a lot of money <laughs> and True. like he makes oh and basically espn has decided our all of our non-sports content non-live sports content 
is expendable, except for Stephen A. Smith, who we're going to pay a quarter of a billion dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he's like half their budget now. It's unreal. And so, well, doesn't he make for real? Like, is it? Does he have a ten million dollar contract? I'm not sure right. if it's annual or what. But like, he yes, he makes. You're right. He makes an absolute killing. And for all of the things we could say about Stephen A. Sort of being a troll at times, like Stephen A. is talented. What he does, I think. A lot of people will be annoyed at me saying that, but like what Stephen oh. A does and the way he can grab people's attention, even on the most dumb of topics, is is impressive. And he's also twice as good at it as Skip Bayless. Yes, yeah. yes. What yeah. Stephen A. does is he actually could still, right now, write a really good column. Yeah. And I don't know if Skip ever could. He was just doing his character from the time he was here in Dallas to to now. So a different a different lane. I'm sorry. Just like one other thing about that, like Barkley. Obviously, we're, we're all partial to him because right. of his background. But he's one of the few former athletes that is actually like really, really great on TV and really funny. And I think pretty clearly, I don't know how much you guys watch NBA, you know, on TNT. But to me, that is the best analyst show mm-hmm. in the game. Not just because of who's on it, but because. I think in a way, sort of like when you have, you know, this mixture of conversation on a podcast, for instance, those guys can sort of intertwine a normal conversation and normal argument with real knowledge and experience. But Barkley stands alone on that show to me because he is actually like a funny person on television or in real life. And because he, unlike Shaq, Shaq, for whatever reason, constantly feels like and he Shaq is better than most former athletes ESPN's got a crew of former athletes who are worse than Shaq at this they constantly feel like anything positive they say about the modern NBA is a detriment or a criticism of the way they played the game so therefore Shaq cannot say that some player now is good because then he might be perceived as saying that he was not good so he has to always couch every single one of his takes as Back in my day, we used to do it like this. No way somebody was going to do that back then. You know what Steph Curry would have done in 1996? Scored 50 points a game. Because that's what he's doing. He would have been just as good, if not better. And Shaq Shaq has to feel like he has a hard time realizing that not everything is an attack on his ego. Whereas Barkley understands it's not about him in this moment. It's about the game that's being played right now. And that's – he is – Bar none, the best former athlete on television. I mean, clearly he's learned to live with the fact that he got really close but never won a championship. Because people throw that at him all the time. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure it gets under his skin at times. Like, how could it not? Especially because, like, well, yeah, I was playing in the league against Michael Jordan. How many people had success against him? And but, look at my rosters, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, those Suns rosters are garbage. Yeah. It was him and Dan Marley. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Johnson was the second best player he ever had on his team, and that's yeah. for sure. All right, let's take let's get some Auburn takes. We're going to go through some popular Auburn takes that we this podcast debates quite a bit. All right, first one is a definite Ryan Starrett take. <laughs> this is late. This is Ryan throwing up an alley. This is the alley oop he's throwing up, hoping that you jam it home. <laughs> Perfect. Let me hear it. Who is the better court Auburn quarterback, Jason Campbell or Nick Marshall? Oh, oh, don't do it to me. Don't do it. Because this is something me. that Ryan is wrong about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Nick Marshall is all the right. best Auburn quarterback not to win a Heisman. 
Yeah, man. So I understand why people are going to get mad at this. I do because man, this guy was fantastic. The, the transformation from him at the beginning of his career to the end was incredible. Lots of love to Jason Campbell, but to me, it's Nick Marshall. Love, love, love Nick Marshall. It is a hill that I too will die on. You guys, Marshall is my king, and uh, I have to say, you know, I get it. Like, there's lots of arguments for Campbell. I won't make them since I just picked Marshall, but (laughs) like, I'm thinking about all the things he accomplished and what he went on to do, and it's like, well, yeah, it's kind of easy to see why you're going to say he's the better quarterback. Well, I mean, it is crazy for me to think that a guy who had a multiple-year NFL career is better than a guy who played corner for the Toronto Argonauts. But hey, easy, <laughs> easy, easy. But, all right, don't let these hey. facts get in the way. <laughs> how many, how many first-round picks were uh, on that Auburn offense in 2013-14? Oh, wait. I mean, wasn't Trey a first-round pick? No. Oh, I thought he was. Oh, it was only uh, Greg Robinson. Is the only answer. It's true. All right. <laughs> I, I do think there's a way that we can break this up because, like, I mean, you're making a great point. It's like, dude went on to have a multi year NFL career and a fascinating career in the NFL because it somewhat mirrors, as a lot of Auburn fans already know. I don't have to tell your audience, like, but here I am doing it anyway. Like, no, tell Ryan. he had he all these know. different coordinators at Auburn, and then he had all these <laughs> different coordinators in the NFL, right? And Never. so there was not a lot of continuity for Campbell. Then he had an injury, right, as it seemed like things were clicking for him. So his career is both an impressive one and sort of one of like, man, like in a different simulation, what happens for him? He may never be, you know, a top – I don't I don't think he's ever like a top quarterback in the league, but I think with a little more consistency in his coaching – a little bit more luck in the injury category, things kind of, we remember his NFL career differently. And uh, he had an interesting career too, because he got criticized so much up until that perfect season. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the other one I was going to ask you. Ryan didn't have this in the show notes, but similar question. You've got one Auburn running back since 2005 to start your team with. Who do you take? Oh, five. So I'm leaving out. I'm reading out Ronnie and Cadillac because those. I think we're all in agreement. We would choose one of those two guys at least. Hopefully, <laughs> let us never forget. Even though he's not in, you know, the time range. Also, Brandon Jacobs, just an sure. absolute unit. But uh, man, so Kenny Irons is your first option from 05. which and is then, a great one that I think a lot of people will forget about. I think yeah. about that LSU game. What an ins- you know the John Vaughn game, yeah. if you will. And it is this podcaster's opinion that the best running back, most underrated underrated running back from this time period has been Tate. But he doesn't get he doesn't get any love from most Auburn fans. And I don't really understand that. Right. Because those teams didn't get anywhere, I guess is Oh seven was mean, a really good team. Yeah. That that was not his I'm fault. Not, that was Tubbs' fault for blowing no, definitely, that. Definitely. Ben Tate <laughs> drug most of that 07, 08, and 09 team. I mean, yeah, I'm a big Ben Tate fan. Yeah. Senator Tuberville did not acquit himself well in 07. Mm. So I feel like I should take Trey Mason in part because of sort of the line, the logic I, I used 
with Nick Marshall, which is that they were ultra productive college players, even though it didn't necessarily translate to the NFL. But I'm going to do the opposite and lack consistency, which is something I'm good at. I'm going to go with Carryon Johnson, mm. which I, I don't I don't know if that is something that's going to be popular, and it might even be some recency bias bias on my part. But uh, KJ, to me, what he was able to do, um, especially when he was healthy, was obviously like. I mean, he's the, perhaps the best player in the conference on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and so, yeah, I th- I'm going to go with KJ, and I think I'm a little biased here, too, because I like KJ's personality so much. Did he so win I do th- conference player of the year? Offensive he won, I think, offensive yeah. player of the year. But nonetheless, that's one I do think I'm picking with my heart a little bit because I just tend to like KJ as a, as a human being. I still well, think November of 2017, Auburn could have put any team in front of it and won. That, they were a, it was as good as it's going to get. I think you're right about KJ, and, and I think it's a shame that he, I mean, really, did, did he, I don't think he ever had a full year where he wasn't hurt. I mean, even in the 17th season, he's banged right. up at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Right, and at the end, end of the year. year. And the end of the year. Yeah. Title game. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I know he didn't run for 300 yards on anybody, but uh, I just, just from a skill perspective, I think he's the best we've had since Ronnie and Carnell, probably. And I think we later found out that he was running behind an offensive line that wasn't exactly as good as he made it look in a lot yeah. of cases. It's true. Um, so so what what is the big argument against on Johnson? Like, obviously, Trey Mason pops out because he was just so, so productive. He's a Heisman finalist. We could go on. I think yeah, he doesn't think, have a full I think full the argument's season. about to be Tank Bigsby. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's an excellent right. point. What about uh, assuming, assuming he pulled Peyton, Peyton Barber is a heck of a player for Auburn. Yeah, I feel like in his case is so interesting to me though because of what happens to his career after he leaves Auburn, right? And then he has sustained in the NFL. And Cameron R. is paying for the same thing. Like yeah, he was in the league Cameron for a while. Um, is it weird that there's a Cameron Artist Payne? There's a guy named Cam Payne. <laughs> who played for the Oklahoma yeah. City Thunder for a long time. Like, it's very bizarre. Same guy. I, th- I think I I'm wish. thinking with – I do think I'm thinking with my heart, but, like, also one thing you can say about Kieran, when he was healthy, one of the best players in the league, and he has now sustained an NFL career yeah. on some level. And think, one of is, the best is Mike Dyer the, the biggest what could have been of, of those dudes? Because he just – like, after his fresh, I mean, he was fantastic his freshman year. And then after that, things just devolved. Yeah. Uh, most of it off the field and, and you know, other things not uh, not yeah. being held accountable really, I think, set him back some. And then after that, it, the wheels fell off. Um, right. I believe he still rushed for 1,000 as a sophomore. I think you're right. That's, five team. that's right. All right what, is the, right. what is the worst Auburn take you've ever had? Besides your Nick Marshall ridiculousness. Oh, <laughs> well. It's become a running trend the last couple of weeks on the podcast uh, that uh, you're embracing your, your streak of bad takes. So, so this, this is what's <laughs> difficult is that of late, I've, I honestly would like to ask Ferg. I think he would be good at answering this because he's heard a lot of them, but I imagine he has one or two. I think I know which one I would choose as your. As your Let's your, hear it. I'm your, having a hard time deciding. Well, didn't you say Bone Nix was going to be like, 
oh. the most accurate passer in the conference or something like that. <laughs> Guys, I mean, my pride is on the line here this season. <laughs> I think outside of probably Bo and his father, like I'm the most nervous about how this year is going to shake out because the things I said about Bo Nix, let's say they have been uh, – have been far from the truth. And I still am willing to die on the hill. But obviously I'm pumping the brakes at this point uh, about, I, I will not be saying some of the same things going into this season as I was last season. Yeah, I think yeah. Bo is a good place to start. I, I don't know if you could have been more gung-ho about a quarterback and been more wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a guy who uh, wrote an article uh, about, <laughs> about how Bo was going to be the uh, the – great starting quarterback not an article more of a parody of a star wars monologue uh but uh <laughs> and close the show with bonos for a year and a half uh but yeah I, i'm with you there like i i still ha- i haven't given up but i'm definitely not going to come into this season talking about how bo's going to be player of the you know player of the conference or conference player of the year or whatever this one's a lot less significant, but that Auburn LSU basketball game where the Tigers just got throttled this year, Yikes. I thought they were going to win that game. Mm. And Ferg laughed at me when we stopped recording that podcast, and then he laughed at me a few days later. So <laughs> I think the Bowen's a good a good point, though, Crow. What is that? Do you have any like historical, you know, when you were growing up or anything? Because like I know for me, I was all on the uh, Cal Frazier hype train, and uh, mm. that was a rough one. <laughs> Yikes! I was—I'll tell you, mine was—I was working in the press box as a student assistant in media relations when Cody Burns came in for Brandon Cox against Mississippi State. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no! And I walked up to the guy who—I don't know what his name is—but he his name was oh I remember his name Colin something, but he worked for the OE News. And I walked up to him and I said, "You ever seen any given Sunday? That's Willie Beeman out there." <laughs> and I walked away. And I've never been more wrong in my entire life. The only thing I can think of about that season, yes, I was like you uh, referenced, excited about Kyle Frazier. And obviously we know how that unfolded. But it took me a long time in 2012 to come around to the idea, like longer than it should, that the season is not going, like it's not going to be a seven and six year. It's going to be what it became. I, I was unwilling yeah. to let that go. I think – Maybe like a lot of people, the A and M game yeah. was like, wow. I I held out hope till Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, when oh. we lost to that John L. Smith coached Arkansas team, which was the worst team in the conference until they beat us. Smile. And I think also in is it in twenty twelve that we that that Auburn went to Oxford and lost to an Ole Miss team that had not won a conference game and was something like a year and a half or two. That sounds right. That sounds about right. Yeah. Is somebody's phone ringing? Post that year. (laughs) Um. All right. I'm trying to figure out what the noise is in the background. It's not my. Let's uh. Let's take an ad break. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
All right. It's, it's fine. It's, Slim Pop, it's freaking downstairs, and you can hear it all the way up here. Yeah. Are you dying? No, I'm good. It's okay. just, I think it's probably out of insulin, or it's disconnected from, I think it's out of insulin or disconnected from my sensor. I'll be back. Well, Tom, we through 30 minutes and 40 seconds, I think, when that thing happened. I, was, I couldn't handle it anymore, guys. I was like, I can't. <laughs> I was like, is somebody not answering their phone? So outside of KJ, is it got to be Trey Mason? That's a that's a fantastic so. question. I think unless it's you're gonna go about Kenny Irons, but yeah, unless you're a huge Kenny Irons fan, or or see, a, yeah, the tough thing for him is like, what does he have to show for it? Because he doesn't have like a huge NFL career, and the team what they they won they go nine and three in two thousand six. That NFL thing too stinks for Kenny Irons because he got what he tears ACL during the preseason and then was never heard mm-hmm. from again. His brother was an excellent college corner too. Yeah. So yeah, the the Campbell thing is such a good conversation because it's like, well, you know, who played in the NFL? Like the pure quarterback, if you're thinking of like pocket passer, it's an, but like I'm thinking about their time at Auburn and they were three and nine the year before that. Yeah. There's a funny, here's a funny uh, hypothetical switch them. So put 04 Jason Campbell on the, t- put up, put 04 Jason Campbell on the 2013 team. How well does that 2013 team 2013 team do versus put Nick Marshall, 13 Nick Marshall, on the 04 Auburn team running that offense? And how yeah, well does it gonna... do? Unfortunately, Ryan, I think the problem with that is that like the offense would not have used Marshall properly. Oh, not in even close. In yeah. Whereas like with me? Campbell, you're probably not going to a national title, but you know, you're probably winning nine games or something. But like, can you imagine like Tommy Tuberville interacting with Nick Marshall? No, not even <laughs> close. I can't, like, he yeah. would play him at corner and then kick yeah. him off the team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I don't, I don't know what fourteen is doing because he didn't know his name, so he would just call him by the number. He did that. <laughs> on, he, did, he did that on a number of occasions, by the way, in press conferences that I typed up. It's like this guy doesn't know the name of his players. All right, we're talking basketball now, Painter. Moving on to round ball. We were going to have Dr. Will McLaughlin on the podcast. We might have to have him next week because there's a lot of basketball to discuss. And the biggest thing is, as I call them, Coweta County Kristoffs, Walker Walker Kessler. Um, That is unbelievable. Kessler Walker, Walker Kessler. Kessler Walker. (laughs) Walker uh, Timeline Ranger. No, what's a good – what's a – Walker, Walker Kessler Ranger. Paint Ranger? Because he's not. As, as someone that's a little sensitive with the Walker Texas Ranger jokes, let's, uh, let's, okay. lay, let's okay. lay off. Let's, <laughs> let those, let's let those lie. All right. So he was the number four center in the 2020 in Sharif's class, the number one player in Georgia in Sharif's yeah. class. So he was a higher ranked player than Sharif in Georgia. And they, were, they were pretty much right there yeah. together. I mean, I think uh, Sharif was like 25th in the class. Um, yeah. But that does mean that Auburn will end up with each of the top three players in that 2020 class out of Georgia. It's with Thor being the third one. Incredible. Alaska's own Georgian, Thor. Um, <laughs> so we have to assume he's the starting center, right? Like he's. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't see any universe in where he is not. Well, the fascinating the part in that, though, while I agree with you, is that Jalen Williams is your MVP from last year. Right. He's the best player on the team last year. In terms of, yeah. like, the guy who, I would say without Jalen Williams, that team looks way worse than it looks with oh, Jalen. Yeah. I mean, Sharif is the well, best player on the team, 
and Jalen was the most important player on the team. In conference play, Jalen was the most consistent guy. I mean, because Sharif wasn't there for half of it. And then, uh, you know, once Sharif gets there, he's the only other guy that you can just rely on to score some points every night. Every single day I get madder and madder that Sharif Cooper will have played less games for Auburn than Cam Newton. And it makes me so bummed out. (laughs) He, he barely played more games than I did for all of them. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, can you imagine being Bruce and that staff? I mean, they must have recruited him, what, from about the eighth grade on. So they, yeah. they invested half a decade into a player that will likely go on to have some semblance of at least a moderately successful NBA career. Yeah, right. And was one of the best facilitators I don't think it's an understatement to say, like, in Auburn history, for whatever that is worth. Sure. It's a really specific category. but Was well, he the only <laughs> player to average 20 and 8 uh, yeah. as a freshman since Trey Young? Like, it's just him and Trey Young who've ever done that. It's insane. Best point guard in the NBA, by the way. And you get a dozen games. I mean, it is cruel. It is cruel. Right. right. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just throwing out nonsense. <laughs> but let's say let's, – let's pretend that he becomes – as good of an NBA player as Trey Young. So he's a all-star. He's probably going to receive some all-NBA votes. I bet Trey Young is not on the third-team all-NBA this year, but someone's going to vote him there. Probably a Hawks beat writer. He's <laughs> Ryan. If, probably Ryan. But if, uh, if let's say, Sharif gets to that level, he's a starting point guard for an NBA team. We'll call it the LA Clippers. He's going to have and to grow a couple inches to get there, I think. He's a starting point guard for an NBA team. He makes... Uh, an all-star game. Is it going to feel like, are we just going to constantly be like, man, what could have been? What if he'd gotten a full season and we didn't have a postseason man? I think it depends. If he's out there wearing uh, Auburn tracksuits, like our own Isaac Okoro, I think, uh, I think it feels a little, little better. I will say, I, I do enjoy that Sharif was tweeting war Eagle and retweeted Wendell Carter's or Wendell Carter, Wendell Green's commitment. Like he, he is, dude, he's pumped I mean, about Auburn getting – and he, when Walker Kester committed, he was like, boom, more eagle. And like it's pretty Peter nuts. pointed out, they've been working on him since eighth grade. He's been – he's paid attention to Auburn since, you know – Since Bruce got there. Young kid, yeah. So it's – it's and he's <laughs> so pretty much been coming here since then. I mean, yeah. I, so – because usually like what you don't know is uh, – or you guys probably may know this – some listeners may not. When a kid gets recruited early on, especially if they haven't received attention from a lot of other people, they tend to just be a fan of that team. Right. Um, even if they don't end up going there. Uh, and, and so he's been an Auburn fan probably since eighth grade. So this Auburn means something to him, just like it would mean it, as much to any freshman at Auburn. Yeah. So, so I you know, I, I know there's a lot of people that are like, he's not, you know, I won't ever think of him really as an Auburn, Auburn guy. I'm like, well, he played here. He spent a whole year here. Like you guys didn't transfer to Tennessee. You guys have made this point. Yeah. (laughs) Painter, you made this point on your pilot for, I think two weeks ago, um, that he had every chance when the NCAA didn't clear him initially. Yeah. He could have still gone to the, to, to play in Australia. Like it, he could have gone. There was nothing keeping him. He's not signed a contract with Auburn. So or or at minimum, just go get ready for the draft. Like right. even if you don't yeah, go, work that, out. go play in that league, just simply go. say, hey, you know, my dad's got ties to the NBA. I can get hooked up with a trainer. 
and just start. And we Go see work this. out with Chuck Parson. And I mean, you look at <laughs> look at the difference right now. Like Ben Simmons never even like speaks positively about yeah, LSU and didn't speak positively about LSU the second his time at LSU was over. In well, fact, he made a whole documentary following him at LSU that came out where all he did the entire time was dog playing college basketball and how stupid LSU was. Well, look, he went to LSU for one reason. Because the coach was something, somewhere around. had something to do with Australia. I think the coach at LSU played in Australia with his dad or something nah. like that. There was some yeah, okay. bizarre connection. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's Speaking right. of uh, bad takes, Ryan pointed out on Twitter, I got the uh, <laughs> the the Pinson thing all wrong. I was convinced he was going to Arkansas. And, I mean, what a fascinating twist. Like, not in his top four, if I'm not mistaken. You know, it just it begs the question, why might one go to LSU, given what we know about Will Wade? Maybe he went down there one time and they got a lot of crawfish. And he was like, Man, this actually is really nice. I would <laughs> enjoy going to school there, especially being an athlete, like being a god among all those Cajun yeah. people with all that food. You're 50 fair, minutes away from New Orleans. Come on, that's, that Rouge, is a good sell. Baton Rouge way better than Fayetteville. Just... <laughs> Hey man, and I don't I, know. And Fayetteville I'm has from the mountains. Fayetteville so. had <laughs> Fayetteville had not only mountain bike Olympic qualifying this past weekend. They've got wow. a mountain bike World Cup race coming up and cyclocross World Championships this it's good next place year. For it. It's a good place for it. It was named a official bike city by the UCI, making it the first city in the United States to be named that. Fayetteville, Arkansas, is the best city to ride a bicycle in in America. Apparently, you uh, you'd have some shredded quads yeah. and boots because uh, it is like a hill. It's like, like Amsterdam, a hill. Amsterdam, Paris, Fayetteville, Arkansas are on that list. I've I'm never amazed, seen more. Which means they're hill. dumping real tax resources oh. into their bike lanes, which is amazing. <laughs> not something I would have anticipated. And not just tax resources, Walmart money. Like the Walmart CEOs are just one guy. Yeah, dumping money. One guy's man. a huge avid cyclist, and he's one of the Walmart people. And I think that they're spending $200 million on bike stuff for the city. The benefit of owning a company that's like the GD that has the GDP of most countries. Right. Good bike lanes. We need a Walmart. Fayetteville's cool. Auburn needs a Walmart money. Yeah. Auburn does need it. Well, we've got a guy that has a lot that that builds the Walmart. Yeah. But the yellow fella's not building bike lanes. That's it. Well, all right. Yeah, I don't see Sam Walton. Let's not talk about Jimmy. Uh, Thanks. All right. He so, may or may not ride bicycles. Jimmy may or may not be listening to this podcast. So, come on the show, Jimmy. Does the, oh my gosh, what a coup that would be! <laughs> <laughs> so does this move, Ryan? You had some interesting uh, lineups you were tossing out in the Slack. Many yeah, people we- are not. Automatically putting Trey Alexander in the starting lineup, which I think is. Well, I didn't include Jalen and didn't even realize it in my yeah. starting lineup. I, I think Jalen goes back to his natural power forward position. I mean, he was playing out of position at center last year. I think he misspelled because he had JT Thor. Yeah. Thor comes back. I mean, all bets are off. I don't know what you do at that point. Um, but I think at least at the beginning of the season, you're going to see the experienced lineup come out with Flan starting at the two. And Jalen starting at the four. Galaxy yeah. Bray lineup is the one. Uh-oh. Right, that's right. Oh, good. I can take over. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask about Jabari. Where does that <laughs> leave Jabari? He's the starting three. I mean, 
Well, then where does that leave Flan? Two. Two still? I don't think not really Trey Alexander is starting the first game. That might change come conference play. I mean, if he's a three-point shooter that you know, it's rumored to be, then sure. That dude is not coming to Auburn to sit on the bench. Yeah. Like, well, Flan better be getting up some threes uh, in in the gym right about now uh, if he wants to hold down that two spot. No, here's the, I, the lineup I think is Flan will Jalen just at around the, between two and four. Jalen at the one, Alexander at the two, Flan at the <laughs> Thor at the three, Jabari at the four, Kessler at the five. I think we're no one scoring points on Auburn. I think we're really discovering that maybe. Thor's probably not coming back, right? I like, just just trying to look at the lineup. Like, there's not there's not really room. I love if that you guys are optimistic back, about Thor coming back because right now I'm just assuming it's not. Happening. Yeah, yeah. It, and it could. It's like I've been wrong back, a lot, so I hope to be wrong back. about that. <laughs> He's, I, yeah, I, he comes back. I think somebody else leaves to get more minutes somewhere else. He seems but to who? be the kind of guy who... Hopefully not Jalen. I really don't want it to be Jalen. Thor yeah. seems to be the kind of guy who might show up to an NBA workout and do something that makes an NBA GM really, really happy. Well, so that's what I... like. I don't understand how he's not on any of the boards. Because he hasn't just worked dude. out. He hasn't worked out in person. One of these he's GMs... He's a dude that like, you see... Like, one, like half the GMs in the league would see him and be like, oh, we got to get that guy. Because like second these, round, we'll take him. These draft boards don't take into account things like remember that Penny Hardaway somehow got drafted over Chris Weber only because of a workout, like an in-person workout. Darko well, Milicic, Darko Milicic got drafted because of an in-person workout. Yi Jean Leon was a top five pick because of an in-person workout in which he just worked out against chairs. chairs they didn't yeah. even have anybody in front of him. All Thor has I, to do is show up, take his shirt off, and some NBA GM is going to go. Yeah, he's he's number fifteen. Pick number fifteen. Well, uh, well, also nobody knows anything about the second round. Any, you know, like anybody, fifteen anybody years old. Anywhere in that round. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's eighteen. He can't vote. <laughs> like he he any anybody could go anywhere in that second round, and that's sort of where I expect him to go. We no, talked about else. this where if Sharif comes back, one of the big knocks on him would have been that he'd be twenty one at the on yeah. the date of the twenty twenty two draft, and that's not good. Yeah. Whereas if Thor were to come back, he might barely at that point be able be to be nineteen. He could buy cigarettes. Finally. He could go see a rated R movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, Thor kind of worked as kind of gained the system a little bit by reclassifying. If he ends up going pro and it works yeah. out, you know, yeah. the interesting thing to me about Thor and Cooper, and you make a good point about age because the NBA is obsessed with young players and upside. Most of the time, myself included. When fans of a college team want a player to not go into the draft and come back, it's because they know that player's got pro potential and they would make their college team better. Right. I do think, though, that Sharif and Thor fall into that category of could actually improve their draft stock. Like Jared Harper did not really fall into that category. Right. He was His never going to grow. was about as hot as it was going to get. I'm sure you yeah. guys have discussed this. And it's like basically he'd have to be an All-American coming right. back to improve. And and then he goes out and he's had a nice career in the G league He's one of the best players in the G league and getting a little bit of time in the NBA. So like he, he made the right call, but I genuinely believe that with the talent and the experience coming back, Cooper could find himself the first guard taken 
Yes. In this next draft. Plus you don't have Suggs and Cunningham, but there's a, there's a risk to that. And the other thing is of course, like, you know, him and his dad know what they're doing. Yeah. Like well, they, they know a lot more about this situation than I do. Like I just to come back and play. There's almost no chance they're taking a 21 year old first in the draft. And probably not in the top five. Maybe it's happened in the top five, but it, I mean, he would have to be the best player in college basketball, I would think, for them to take a 21-year-old in the top five. He would have to be as productive as Davion Mitchell, who's borderline lottery right now. But I, yeah, but I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be a lottery pick this this year. And I definitely think he would be next year. So, I, yeah, you know. But like you said, him and his dad know what they want. I think that's I think that's the most important thing. They know what they want to happen, and they talk to teams. I'm sure his dad's talked to teams because he's allowed to. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely certain that there have been at least two teams that have said we want to pick him. Just put it in this perspective: if you're listening to this and you don't follow the NBA, this year's draft, Isaac Okoro not a top ten pick. If he came out this year, he would not be a top ten pick. This year's draft is. Bonkers. Well, if whereas he had, last year's draft was now was thought of as a, a an extremely weak. In fact, many people thought it was like the weakest draft in twenty years. And he the top he, five guys turned out pretty good. And the top though. five guys turned out pretty good. And I think Isaac Isaac was opportunistic and left because he thought, "Holy cow, I have an opportunity to be the fifth pick in the draft." Yeah. Whereas I think this year, a guy like Isaac Okora, who was a surprise one and done, would would have stayed in school. Because I don't yeah. think he's a top ten pick, and That's I think um, I think Sharif I, is Sharif's the third best point guard in this draft, at behind, best. behind Kate Cunningham four, and four. and Suggs. I think I think Davion's better. They're not drafting. They're not drafting a twenty two year old over Sharif. Is he twenty two? He's a senior. Yeah, it's true. I don't I don't see it. I mean, maybe, but I don't he's, see it. He's, Guys, what's his name? He's a sixth uh, man. No matter what, Davion. Jalen Brunson wasn't a first round pick, and he was the Naismith Award winner, a senior, and a two time national champion. Like da- Davion's the point the guard you pick. have on a team where Sharif is your point guard because he's your sixth man. You yeah. rotate him in, and he just comes in, he plays defense, and he can not going to be fall off on offense. Like, I think I, really I think, think Davion Mitchell is going to play for a while in the NBA. Yeah, I, think I don't so think I don't think he's going to be a top. 15th pick in this draft. Um, all right, so let's real quick. We want to skip ahead, Painter, <laughs> yeah. in the show notes. We'll talk green and, and uh, uh Which of the new week. guys is your is your are you most excited about, Painter? Kessler. I mean, it seems pretty obvious. But. <laughs> no, Painter's a Wendell Green fan. The short king, he calls him. Yeah, so that is a great <laughs> point. I think I'm still going to go with the most boring answer. Which is the guy who you signed? That's your top overall prospect ever. Yeah. Because the way I've been looking at it, maybe you guys have discussed this already. Chuma ahead of schedule. Bruce knew it. Mm-hmm. He knew that that he Bruce knew Chuma had been under scouted just a bit. Mm-hmm. And after his sophomore year, even with a torn ACL, he almost finds himself in the lottery. Yep. Then the next year, you mentioned Isaac. There's some interesting circumstances around it with the draft class not being as strong, but. Isaac, a one-and-done player, a four-star. And then we'll see what happens with Sharif. And in each of those cases, you're looking at prospects from each of those guys being ranked a little higher. And then you get this really big jump in Jabari 
mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, he's different, and the projection is very well could be a one and done. Whereas most people did not see Chuma going that high. Most people did not expect Isaac. If anyone expected Isaac to be a one and done, I'd like to hear that <laughs> and and see the see the timestamp. And then Sharif, we'll see what happens, but he's almost certainly in the first round. I can't imagine a scenario where he's not a first round guy. I agree. No, and I, so I think you're hundred percent right. It's what you get out of the potential of this player who won is in terms of talent, the best the program has ever had coming out of high school, hands down. The other thing that's important to me in this scenario is that he may come in. Jabari may come in and hands down, take over and he needs to play 30 minutes a game and you've got to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. But because of what Bruce and the staff have done with some of these moves, I think not being complacent with the roster plus the experience, and we see how much that matters with teams winning championships in college basketball, this mixture of experience and talent is definitely the recipe for finding yourself deep in the tournament. He doesn't have to come in right away and be that top player in the country. He doesn't have to come in and be a lottery pick. He needs to sort of settle and find his role and look, he may come in and just fuck. Uh, he may come in and kill it. Yeah. And yeah. and if so, fantastic. But you know, I I think you've created a scenario in which you give Jabari some time. I don't know what his weakness is. I I, I honestly, you think about Okoro it was a top five pick, was a one and done. But like you said, was not. No one thought that coming in because offensively, his game had a lot of holes. You look at Sharif. Well, I- and, and Sharif and we, was a Sharif was a is a one and done player, and he's got a little bit of holes on his, on the offensive side and on the defensive side. Chuma had a massive injury to one of his legs. Yeah. That was a first round pick. This kid is tall and can shoot and moves fluidly and plays defense. He, I, he's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's insane um, it, that we're adding a guy of that level. Like, like I don't. There's no universe where I th- would have thought, maybe even three years ago, that we could have added some. I don't want to. Hes- I I don't want to call him like a Durant type player because I hate. I don't want to let like lay that type of yeah, expectation yeah, on he him. He might be like the greatest scorer of the generation, <laughs> right? Like so. But sometimes those comparisons come too quickly. I agree don't, with you. Don't write the article. But geez, Louise, yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> he, he. That's he, what he looks like. I mean that that is what he looks like. It's yeah, it's hard to just because of how long he is. Like it's really hard because that's what Thor reminds me of too. It's just a really tall, long guy, like just skinny, but can play ball at in every facet of the game. I, I mean, it's hard not to compare that guy to Durant. Hmm. Um, it, what's funny is. I think Chuma reminds me of actual Durant more than anybody in, in the way that he uh, he plays. Because Durant has this like laid back. I don't, I don't know how to aura. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to describe. It's the easy. Way he the game's plays. easy for Kevin. Yeah, it's yeah. nonchalant. Yeah. and and Chuma was always like that. Yeah, um, Chuma very active on Twitter. Well, <laughs> Kevin Durant is like the er Twitter. All right, so what do you, uh, Peter? We have a game we want to play. 
By the way, I want to read you the Ross, the uh, four players off the Kevin Durant Texas team. Um, wow. That was 0607 Longhorns. We hate Rick Barnes on this podcast. Kevin Durant. Yeah, we give him a lot of grief. We give him a lot of grief. So I'm curious to hear this lineup because maybe I should. Well, no. he recruited the players. So. Kevin Durant, DJ Augustine, Dexter Pittman, and Damian James are all four players who were on that Texas team and have all played a game in the National Basketball Association. And that team did not make the Final Four. They lost well, they, to they Southern Cal. They got bumped Cal. in the Sweet 16? They, yeah. they got bumped in the second round. They got bumped by Southern Cal, 87-68. to 68. Rick Barnes' ability to take a team that is clearly pretty talented and do nothing with it in the postseason is admirable. Yeah, It's, that it's impressive. The it's second impressive. round. And he would the, be a great Atlanta coach. In the first game, <laughs> that, so they lost 87-68. They went 27-10. and 10. In Texas's previous game, it was a win, but only, and they barely won against New Mexico State. Hmm. And, uh, and they almost didn't win that game because Rick Barnes couldn't come up with a play at the end of the first half to get Kevin Durant the basketball. <laughs> so, um, all right, here's a game. The game is we're playing three on three, but you're not playing. You're coaching the team. You've got to pick three te- three players from the Bruce Pearl era, the Bruce Pearl Galaxy of Stars, to be on your three-on-three team to play against my three-on-three team, Chiefs and Ryans. Who is your three-on-three team? I'm going to go with Bryce Brown. That's a really Chuma good. Okiki, hmm. and Isaac Okoro. And a little bit of reasoning in that. Yeah. Because I, I really toyed with, obviously, Jarrett and Sharif because they're such good point guards. And I'm kind of in my head already convincing myself I should take Jared, but I've said Bryce, so I'll stick with Bryce. But Bryce's ability to shoot the three and Chuma's ability to shoot the three and really sort of Chuma's ability to float between any position to me is extremely valuable. And then Isaac can defend essentially any player you throw at him. Yeah. They're all good defenders in their own right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Bryce is for a couple of years, probably your best on ball defender. And then we know what Isaac could do. And Chuma of course becomes an excellent defender down the stretch of his career. To me, those three players ability to sort of float and do a number of things, whether it's offensively or defensively make them this really versatile sort of modern style, if you will, of three on three players, mm-hmm. And I'm like totally open to shade if you guys think it should be Harper or Cooper. But no, actually, uh, I'm going to go. That would have been my team. You know, <laughs> my team would have been uh, to play against your team, especially right now. I would have Cooper at the one of my three on three team. I would have Austin Wiley uh, of catching, would. catching alley oops from Street <laughs> Cooper. Catching is questionable. <laughs> This the the shade on this podcast for a guy <laughs> with a PER of thirty is preposterous. Great player, not a great receiver. So awesome! Why they catching alley oops from me? People act as if the guy had like six turnovers a game. He might have had a shade under two. Anyway, <laughs> I have Wiley, I have Sharif, and I'm going to put Javon McCormick. Ooh, going double point guard. Double point guards are two shorts and tall. Because three-on-three is an inside-outside game. And when you throw the ball to a guy who's as big as Austin Wiley, 
I'm leaving Javon McCormick open. That drop step is so nasty. And my man could go up and get some rebounds. His senior year was so fun because, it, you know, his career, he came in with all these high expectations because of how he was as a recruit and who his brother was. Dropped a double-double on Alabama, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about just absolutely setting your own destiny with that hype train that he did. And then, of course, he misses a season and has the injury. And it's like it just it never worked out. The game sort of changed on him, too, like during that time. Yeah. It's like we all collectively realized that taking three-point shots are better than twos because threes are worth more than twos, and he didn't have a super reliable jump shot or three-point shot. But his senior season, I mean, he he never became this NBA player I hoped he would, right? But he he was an extremely valuable college player. Yeah, His NBA well, he, stock, had he been – this is the sad thing about Austin because he was like not – ten years too late. He was not seven feet yeah. tall. He was six foot 11. Yeah. And yeah, had he been two, had he been two inches taller, and he's seven one. They don't care if he can shoot the three. He's one and done. Yeah. After he, like, he's a half and done. He's a half and well, done. And, and you have to remember, he came to Auburn as a seventeen year old who mm-hmm. I, I mean had grown like an inch that year or something. So you know there was there was a reasonable expectation that maybe he'll grow a little more, and he he really never did. Put he got bigger, quite a bit of muscle, yeah. Because yeah. even even like the NBA, <laughs> even the NBA, where the three point shot is king. Would we'll, would say that the only thing better than a three is a guaranteed two, and he was a. I mean, he cleaned up that glass a lot, and and, and just and his senior year down to the free throw line. Guys, yeah. his senior year, he he rebounded at a twenty two point six percent. So twenty <laughs> almost twenty three percent of all available rebounds, Austin Wiley gobbled up. It's it was to the point that after he was gone, it just felt like we couldn't rebound at all anymore. Like, like that's how it felt the last couple of years, yeah. and we were despite pretty good tall, on the glass. Having a tall team, it felt like we didn't have a big man really. Yeah, yeah. he was. It's criminal that that team, what twenty five and six, with all what six seniors on it and some yeah. guys who'd been to a Final Four, did not get any postseason. Yeah. One selfishly because I think they'd have done well, and two like there was real talent on that team, and those guys didn't get that experience. It really sucks for those guys. Um, I'll I'll yeah. forever be sad about that. Yep, he was. I know it's it's a real first world problem to think about <laughs> in, in the in the time. But I mean, and it it's not you know part of it is selfish, but I I still feel bad about those guys. And it's just not to get too serious, but it's just another thing from the past year that that made it suck. Um, yeah, more you know, there's there's lots of things, but it's just one one other thing. It kind of piles on to it all. Uh, but uh, Painter took my team, so... Uh, <laughs> really? I gotta yeah, be that's, honest, that's I, I was expecting much. this to be a draft, not a... Uh, oh. <laughs> one person that's, takes three at the top, that's, but... Uh, you that's what I would have taken, too, uh, because, because of the defense. Like, it would be really hard to score against those guys. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I maybe I... If I had to replace one, I might replace him with Austin. Grow, so there you go. Or Samir. Samir would be a miserable Samir. three point three three versus three player to play against. Samir. I don't know if you guys agree with this, but Samir is probably the player I would have most liked to have had on this team this past season that, that just left. And I think based on all the things you were just saying and given some of Auburn's struggles to get guaranteed buckets and yeah. to rebound um, consistently and get second chance points, like you could make a really great case for Wiley, but 
I do really wish that Auburn had had Samir on this past year's team, somebody who I think was willing to create his own shot and able to create his own shot. It's a great observation. We really missed that guy on this team. Well, Um, we missed a guy who could. Who wanted the ball when you needed to score. And we didn't have anybody like that. One of all, he just scored one. And two, when Sharif was on the team and playing, his his usage rate was the highest in probably Auburn history because <laughs> because of that. Like he, if, he had, if he was on the court, he had to have the ball. Imagine because, if he could have just hey, passed to anyone that could shoot. Reliable. Hey, Samir, I'm a little bit tired <laughs> yeah. here at the yeah, end of this he, first half. Could you take a couple of shots? So, and, and and Samir wasn't Samir was great at getting to to the line. He was great at getting to the rim and 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 scoring off the dribble. He was great at shooting. Like he's just a we didn't have that guy. The closest we had was probably Flan, um, who all in all may be a better defender than Samir, but he's just not. As much as I think he really wants to be, I think he desperately wants to be that guy that wants wants the ball in his hands when we need the shot to win the game. I, I just don't think he was quite there yet this year. He came a long way, but I don't think he was quite there. Yeah. And to have Samir would have been amazing this year. Chief, um, who's your three now that uh got two teams already picked? <sighs> um gosh. Well, I'm going to take Jared since neither one of you guys did. It's um, a guy that I know that can score. Um, hmm. Uh, I don't want to leave out those early Bruce guys, but I mean, the the talent, <laughs> Bowers. talent level has risen uh, since then. Um, You're going to want Horace. Give me Horace. Yeah. It's three on three. No blood, no foul, baby. <laughs> oh, so are you guys? You guys are doing some damage here to yourselves. You aren't recycling any of the players. Yes. Right. Yeah, we didn't have any rules. Uh, we so should I, have just done. You a... guys have allowed me to take all the best players. Thank you. <laughs> well, right, it's fine. Well, uh, Ryan's idea was to do an actual draft. Like you get one pick, and then I didn't yeah. do that correctly. And so now we're here's where we are. <laughs> well, not to hijack it too much, but. I mean, why don't can you guys do both? Whereas, I mean, you know, like I, I feel like now I feel kind of bad because obviously, I mean, Isaac and Chuma, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, give me Isaac. Can sort of like lottery picks. Sure. Chief, Chief, I'm going to go ahead and give you Malik as your third player. It would yeah, be criminal if you be, didn't. This team would be super fun. <laughs> Jared, Jared, Jared throw hoops and horse. Come on. Uh, so. That, that's funny because that actually leaves me with uh, three of my top five guys, and I'm just going to go big. I'm taking Anthony, Jalen, and Thor and daring you guys to, to spot up with them. Jalen would be Thor it. got so much better as the year went on, and I knew he got better, but yeah. Ferg wrote a story about it, especially defensively. He was switching. He made he was switching. strides than I realized. There was a time, there was like a possession against, I think it was Missouri, where Thor switched three times in one possession. And got yeah. back to his man. Yeah. And he did it across the entire half court. I think it I was I, unbelievable. I think I got won the absolute lottery because the only game I got to go to was that Missouri game. And I think that might have been our, our best game of the year. Like, Thor was, it, he was, he so was great. outside of his body in that game on defense. <laughs> he was operating so in like, a liminal space. 
If you'll indulge me, would Jomon running through the players that had I not ruined this experiment <laughs> that you would have taken otherwise? <laughs> Are we well, all pretty much in agreement well, about the top two, given what they ended up doing? In yeah, college yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Chuma and Isaac are. Yeah, I don't know. You don't take them. I, I think right. Chuma's probably your your number one overall. Um, He's if, pretty if close. You, if it's it's either, got, and I like the pick of Bryce. I actually do, even over yeah, over Jared, just because defense. I would say. I think Jalen going to Ryan is crazy because Jalen would have been point guard, such a good thing. yeah he's such a good three, three on three player. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I he's think, incredible. Uh, I I think the issue there is I was trying not to bias the current players on on, on the current roster, and so Ryan uh, Ryan scooped those up. It's a good job, Ryan. Jalen is the uh, he's the evolution of Simeon Bowers. <laughs> <laughs> what if you went all like? Squats, and you got Jalen, <laughs> Simeon Bowers, and Deshaun Murray. That was your team. Dude, that, now that's a that's a three on three team that can yes. do a lot of damage, dude. You're like, getting zero rebounds against us. Yeah. Have you already had the conversation, probably so at some point, about what KT Harrell looks like on one of these more modern teams with more oh, talent? Dude. We've he not had it on this podcast, so but we definitely have had it on the Slack, where it's like, of all of the post. Of the post, the pre-final four teams. If you could take one of those guys KT. and put him on a current That's Auburn, KT. it's KT because he would be incredible in a modern Bruce Pearl team. Well, it's it's weird because I mean, it, and then Nick him, Chubb would be before that. <laughs> Dude, Chubb was not Nick Chubb, Rob Chubb. Hold on, yeah, Nick Chubb or Rob Chubb. Rob Chubb. Chubb, Chubb was a, a decent player. I I, I struggle with that because at the time it was just sort of a joke. <laughs> but I mean, he wasn't bad. He, he was, was one of the better on the team. Yeah, he's one of the better Barbie players. <laughs> yeah, know, honestly, that's. Uh, I'll never forget the shoes. Oh, that's forgetting the, best. the shoes. The the whole that whole day is just the best thing that happened during the entire Tony Barbie era. <laughs> I mean, just the best. All right. Uh, well, guys, if you hated this, <laughs> at Ryan S. Starrett on Twitter. If you loved the show. <laughs> At College and Mag, um, let us know. Painter, thank you so much for humoring us and coming on. If you would like to hear more of Painter Sharpless, you can find him at the Auburn Observer, and you should give them your money in order to hear him twice yes. a week as opposed to just once. It's it's not it's not much money at all. What five bucks a month? Is that what I'm paying? I can't even remember. Yeah, six dollars a month, sixty dollars yeah, a year, and. You know, there's a lot of ways to support the show. Of course, we'd love to have your hard-earned dollars, but rate, review, subscribe. Thank you guys for having me on. Been fun to chit-chat with you guys. Thanks so much. For less than a cup of coffee a week, you can sponsor yeah. this Painter Sharpless. <laughs> I got in some trouble for that one. Some people pointed out that that's expensive coffee, but I do think that you can technically find that to be true. I think the coffee I get is usually like two bucks. Though. You can find Star- that to be true. Starbucks is expensive. I mean, yeah. It's like five bucks for a cup of coffee there, right? I I definitely paid more than that in an airport for coffee in the last couple of days. <laughs> I didn't look. Is there a way to like set your own price that you pay, uh, like per year? I think I know that, what you're trying to say. Sixty bucks is close to what I'd like to pay. Chief wants to pay <laughs> a very nice price 
for your yes, life. yes, and you know that was a, you're you're not alone in that. Not uh, alone. I, I believe that's called the Daniel Purifoy Press. Yes, Daniel's <laughs> own Purifoy. If this were Patreon, that would be the Purifoy tier. Yeah, yes, <laughs> Purifoy tier. I uh, yeah, I pay monthly, but uh, I, it, smart people would pay uh, yearly. That's what painters only fans is that price. <laughs> <laughs> Thank right. you, gentlemen. Appreciate you guys letting yeah. me hang out with you. All right. Thanks a lot, man. If you listen to this, have a War Eagle weekend. War Eagle. <laughs>